0: Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priest with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by Pete Sampson of The Athletic. It's Tuesday, July 11th. We haven't had a podcast here in a couple of weeks. we need we got a little catching up to do, although I don't think there's really been any major breaking news. Wait, check that. Justin Scott came right after our last podcast. So we Tim O'Malley and I dealt with that with an instant analysis, and, and we do have a question on that in the, in the second segment. So we'll talk more about that, but um, there there are some there are some big decisions coming up for Notre Dame yeah. in in recruiting K- Kingston Viliamu and and Gerby Lambert are a couple of guys that uh, that we're expecting a, a decision here this month. I do want to talk about O'Malley, and I do want to talk a little bit about our uh, annual countdown, which is now into where are we at, Tim? Number seventeen? Number sixteen? Yeah,
1: seventeen goes. I have, I have number sixteen today. Yep.
0: Number sixteen is today. Uh, number seventeen was Jadarian um, Price,
1: which we Kevin always Price, well Jadarian yeah. Price was hard for all three of us, and Pete it would have been hard for you as well because we don't know exactly how healthy he's going to be, and we did it on May first. And Logan Diggs exists, and Logan Diggs existed at the time, so it was one of those situations where, hey, I think all three of us, including Kevin Sinclair, probably erred on the side, not erred, probably decided let's try to be positive here about what can happen for Notre Dame and Jadarian Price, and. Yeah. I don't think um, maybe early reports were poor, Tim, but not uh, not since you spoke with Marcus Freeman on Jadarian Price. So I think maybe the number, yeah. he would be the number two running back and maybe be a little higher if that works but, out.
0: But the counting down story is filled with disclaimers because we all know that guys coming off of significant injuries are much better the year after, the year after, the year after. Sure. Uh, and, and so, you know, for us to have them as high as, as we did Jadarian Price, a, a lot of it is, is, uh, Thinking from the standpoint that it'll be completely healthy. And I think, you know, like in terms of health, completely healthy, yeah, I would imagine that's true, but you have to break that barrier of playing with uh, the previous injuries. And, you know, I mean, we guys, we saw it with Jarrett Patterson. I mean, he it was injury after injury. Yes, he's recovered, and then you get in game situations, and it's completely different. You the way you feel. Twenty-four to forty-eight hours after a game, coming off of a big injury, is way different than anything you can simulate on the practice field.
1: I do think Patterson played hurt, though, at the beginning of last year. Where hopefully Jadarian Price is only playing with soreness that might occur from right. the
2: injury. That that's a difference. yeah, that's because I mean, you think about um, you know Sean Crawford when he had the Achilles. Right. It was against Nevada, right? Like yep, in early um, sixteen, very early. Yeah, so it's like. We didn't really see him again. He got the full year. And at this point, it's been, you know, it's been a full
0: year for Price. So. Yeah. It's just yeah. Been on a full year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so it's like, I have said this before, but, you know, you, and O'Malley, I'm sure you've talked to orthopods as well. It's like, it's an injury to describe it. You can get back in a year, but then you're still probably another, often you're another six months away from being 100%. So whatever we see, Darian Price, um, what, two weeks from tomorrow in practice one, which probably will be a lot different than what we see from Jerry and Price in, like, bowl practices or going out to Stanford on Thanksgiving weekend.
0: And, the, and there were two reasons why Norton went out and got Devin Ford. One was Logan Diggs leaving, and the other is the uncertainty of Jadarian Price. So, um, you know, yeah, as you said, Pete, in a couple of weeks, we will we will know more about that. Um, top duos, Tim, you, uh, you addressed something to, uh, this week in your Monday musings about top duos and Northern has, uh, <laughs> one of the better tackle duos in the country in Joe Alton, Blake Fisher. Yeah, I
1: thought I caught it on Twitter. Uh, there's a top 10 duos ranked and, uh, our Tom Loy kind of put it, it was by 24, seven sports, uh, and with Marvin Harrison, uh, you know, and like Corum, all the names going down there, Ohio state, Michigan and their duos, Jeremiah Trotter going down there. And, you know, you think Joe Alton, who's his duo. Blake Fisher. That seems like a pretty good duo to me and they did not make it, but it got me thinking about Notre Dame's top 10 duos um, in recent history and we all think of Tate and Floyd, but I kind of put I sent you guys the list of I I was writing down. It's a bit of a disclaimer, Tate and Floyd were barely together as a top 10 duo because of injuries. I think we can all agree that was probably a the top 10 duo you would like to have at Notre yeah. Dame would be those two think, working together. You think,
0: Sam Hartman, you think Sam Hartman would like to throw that to that duo?
1: Yeah. So I put in guys like, you know, I thought top 10 duos like Walton and Duff obviously were great. I mean, Samarja and Stovall, Tua and Nix, those types, Nelson and McGlinchey are other ones, uh, Quar and Kareem. Mayor and Tremble, I thought was an interesting one because they kind of guided that offense in 2020. And then the old too soon listing of Estime and Diggs, I thought kind of uh, would be part of the top dozen duos as well. But uh, the consensus on our message board was because of this team, Notre Dame's team, you could add two players with it. It would be either those receivers, obviously,
2: or two at Knicks. And I, I can't say I disagree. Pretty wild that like, you know, you could have 2010 Rudolph and Eifert. Also I, not totally together though,
1: either. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, but I mean, not, they both had
2: 25 yeah. plus catches. I think, right. Right. It was um, a result of an injury,
1: but yeah, there are, that's incredible too.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: Although, you know, people, no one answered McGlinchey and Nelson to add to this team. And I will argue right now, if you had McGlinchey and Nelson to this line, that might be the best duo to add because you would never not gain six yards running the ball straight up the middle. So that would be a valuable yeah. thing. For well, I mean, you
2: could do my, uh, you could, if you want to go McGlinchey and Stanley in 2015 I, I never take Nelson off my duo. I okay, never God, that's Nelson. fine. Yeah, that, that duo worked out.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and McGlinchy <laughs> had had further growth. Uh, yeah, to do after that. Yeah. Or a now, Fox and
2: Calabrese in
1: 2013. There you go. Rotate. You can just rotate a yeah. linebacker.
0: Speaking of linebackers, let, let me, if I could, just jump back to the counting down segment. And Maris LeFevre takes a lot of grief, and I get it. That was a, that was a really poor 2022 season. He, he did not play well. I mean, he just didn't, he didn't find the football. You know, I, 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 people have had a lot of fun with uh, the memes of, of Leofile running into the middle of the line of scrimmage in the middle of the line and not popping through. And, and, and my, my only point is this and I, I am not predicting that Maris Leofile is going to have a great year. What I'm saying is he has the ingredients to be a better football player. And in 2020, when Clark Lee was the defensive coordinator, he found a niche for a very, very inexperienced Maris Leopold. He was a redshirt freshman that year. We've said it many times over. He had a huge game against North Carolina. It was significant against a, a very good passing team. They held him to seventeen points, I believe it was. And and so my my point being that he ha- he has the athleticism and the knowledge of the defense. Now I I, I was made fun of because I said he understands the defense. Why else would he play six hundred and five snaps more than anybody else on defense if he wasn't a guy that understood where all eleven fit and and what's necessary in order to to play good contained defense? So my point is this. It's up to Al Golden and Marcus Freeman to maximize Maris Leofile. He should not have he should not be the player he was last year and even right. there, he was a first time starter last year. He has two years of eligibility. again, I'm not predicting that he's going to have a great year or that he's a great player. But L. Golden and Marcus Freeman need to maximize the abilities of Maris Leofile and other guys on that defense.
1: I agree with everything you said, but I want to give credit to subscriber Ryguy0917, who has said it best on your, on your Leofile story. Wouldn't surprise me if he had a good year. Also wouldn't surprise me if he didn't have a good year. I think that exactly sums things up for how I look at Leofile. I agree with you, though, Tim. I think they'll find a niche. I also think he was... He was hurt by playing so many snaps. I don't know why you would play that many more snaps than Jack Kaiser. 646 first on the team. Jack Kaiser
2: 338, 15th on the defense. Yeah, that that made no sense to me. As it was happening in retrospect, it makes even less sense. And I think today it somehow has found a new low of sense making <laughs> yes. because they've moved Jack Kaiser inside um to where Leafau was playing and not being. A productive uh, part of the defense. That like Notre Dame, I mean, this is a kind of a a macro point, but like they need to have one of, if not the best developmental coaching staffs in the country. And stories like Maris Leofau really cut against that grain. um, Because like if Notre Dame is going to get to the mountaintop, they're going to have to have more stories like Tommy Tremble, you know, the, the three stars that come out like Benjamin Morrison, Joe, Alt, like you can't have Maris, Leah type stories, even though you have a Bertrand and a Kaiser right there. Um, So man, it's like, I remember when Leah got hurt. I mean, we, I had him pegged for what, like 95 tackles and 13 tackles for loss and seven sacks. And like, I just thought he was going to be a terror in that defense. And I mean, it does make you wonder like, Sometimes you just don't come all the way back from injuries. I I don't know if that's part of the issue with Le'Fau that he just hasn't quite got back to the springy sort of run through a brick wall type of uh, athleticism that he had before the ankle. But um, there's you hope that there's still there's another chapter to this guy's story because man, he was he was excited to watch in that camp.
0: We we were we as in O'Malley and myself and uh, were criticized for we had. No, we had Leofile number five, right? Last year, Tim. Yeah, last year. He's number five on our list, and I, and and some have said, "Well, you did that based upon the North Carolina game in 2020." No, we didn't. He he had he had an August that opened everybody's yeah. eyes.
1: We we they spoke about them. this offline, Tim. Um, you know who Maris Leofile was supposed to start over in 2021 when Pete had him pegged for start along with the rest of us, J.D. Bertrand who ended up being leading the team in tackles from that spot. And I know also had a really good August. Yes. And yeah, he did have a really good August and Bertrand was much better last year than he was in 21. Um, We
0: we picked those before August, but he coming out of the spring and going into the summer, the coaching staff very, very highly of him, And then the, then our, our pick was, was validated to some extent during August because he had a very good August. And when that injury occurred, that was like less than two weeks before the start of this. That was like 12- 12. day of
2: last day of contact. Last day of
1: contact in camp. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, again, not predicting great things, but I did. But that's a good athlete. Um, they've adjusted roles, which is smart. You know, the whole crashing the line of scrimmage stuff. Did you see him missing gaps, or or was it was he? I mean, he was doing what he was instructed to do. Correct. And he, I don't think. Yeah, he as was, far as, he, as
2: far as I could tell, if he yeah, wasn't, still he think, wouldn't have been out there for 687 snaps. Right. Yeah, I think if you flip uh, snap
1: totals, it would be a great thing for Leifau as well. The Kaiser Leifau snap total. I want.
0: Total. I think. I think Maris Leifau is a great kid. I want. I want great things for him, and I think that he has the abilities to be much better than he showed last year. Last thing, this segment, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, go.
2: Wow, that that went <laughs>
0: fast. I
2: don't know if you guys. If you read the story in the Daily Northwestern over the weekend, like as the first one dropped, you're like, I don't think he's gonna be able to come back from this. And yet, 17 years, it was hard to see how Northwestern was gonna to get to the point where they made the decision that they did. Um, but wow, what a what an indictment of a locker room culture there. That it, it, yeah. It's I mean, it's just it is a reminder that like I think in college sports when the football coach is bigger than the president or the AD, on top of being the greatest player in Northwestern football history, like you really, you have absolute power at that point. Um, And that I think probably Fitzgerald got in that trap of like, he could do whatever he wanted without impunity until this weekend.
1: This story is weird and creepy in many ways as well. It's the strangest when people say, is there hazing involved? Like this is, this is just odd made up hazing i cannot fathom from a college locker room i think it hurt fitzgerald that he had a 2014 public service video chastising any type of hazing whatsoever in sports much less college sports that that's a bad look right now um when i heard hazing and two weeks suspension i had not yet read the story and i was like i wonder if you knew about that and uh, i guess you got to suspend guys for two weeks nowadays no matter what and then i read the story i was like okay well there's no way he didn't know about this this is really weird and disgusting and I'm not going to claim I know Pat Fitzgerald, but I think people might remember readers from Monday musings. I met him and his family uh, three summers ago, four summers ago. And uh, family was great. Kids were great. He was as nice as he could be to somebody. He, when he found out I was a Notre Dame reporter, (laughs) as opposed to just somebody randomly next door at the lake house he was visiting. Um, So yeah, I, I found that the human part of it very unfortunate, but boy, when you read it, it's it's impossible not to know these things when you are the head coach of a team. I will give credit to that. I was driving home yesterday. Um, Chris Emma, 24-7 sports, was on the score, 670, and he gave a really good detail breakdown. And he mentioned early in the morning before the firing came out, he goes, there's no way he survives this. He will be fired. Um, and he kind of echoed all these sentiments that this is this is not the cult. It's all about culture at Northwestern preached by Pat Fitzgerald, our cultural culture. It's different. The Wildcat culture, the Wildcat way. Um, but then he pointed out, if you flip their record from last year of being one and 11 and winning no games on American soil and make them 10 and two, it would be a harder firing even in today's age.
0: You know, there was a time and since I've been covering this sport in Notre Dame forever, there was a time when this acknowledgement would have been admonished and that would have been, that would have been it. I, I mean, there, I wonder how long. How this far, is a creepy hazing, Tim. This I realize. Creepy. No, I realize that, but hazing's, Yeah, this is creepier than normal. But but hazing's creepy in general. Why in the world anybody would be doing it in 2023? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. But there, there. I wonder how far back we would have to go where he would be in trouble. He would pay a penalty, but he wouldn't have been fired. But we live in a different world now. Pre
1: Penn and- State pre-penn state
0: yes okay that's that's a that's a good point uh i don't know why you would want this to be a part of your culture it's i don't understand the participation of players in some of the ridiculous stuff the naked under center snaps what in the world are we talking about here
2: yeah
0: Uh, i mean that's and and so my point is this and and this stuff happened in the locker room correct
1: I don't that's, care if it happened on spring break. It's pretty awful. This well, is. Just, no, no, uh, <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, I get, get that. I yeah. get
0: that. But my, my point is if it happened off campus or outside, the, then I right. could see, okay, right. Pat Fitzgerald doesn't right. know. This is going on in his locker room. That's a bunch of crap that you don't know that that's going on. That's not possible. I don't see how that is possible. Do you agree with me?
2: Yeah. If there, I mean, if there's a, a dry erase board in your locker room that has the Shrek list on it, like, Okay, well, there you go. Walk by that all the time.
0: Yeah, there you go. Coming back, segment two, burning up the boards. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago boston los angeles and new york fly in comfort to dublin our european hub go coast to coast and discover the sights of ireland or explore any of the 50 plus european cities we connect to including amsterdam london paris and rome visit airlingus.com to book today
1: if you're coming to a game this season you have to check out game day your way the official tailgate service provider of notre dame Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express Transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit
2: gamedayyourway.com.
1: Welcome back to segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question from Mr. Irish Red. Could you give us an update on the players that missed spring ball with injuries?
0: Uh, Irish Silstra met with uh, coach Freeman a few weeks ago. He, at that time told us as many people remember that Eli Raritan, uh, I'm sorry, that uh Jadarian price was hundred percent and that Kevin Bauman and Eli Raridan, a couple tight ends would be ready to go full tilt when, when, when uh, fall practice opened which is in a couple of weeks, Ben Minnick coming off the thumb. I'm sh- it should be fine. I wouldn't anticipate uh, Christian Gray's, you know, coming off a, a knee surgery. I don't think it wasn't major knee surgery. It was right. cleanup, up. Right. Um, the one guy, I know Cam Hart. We've heard good things about Cam Hart so far since uh, the, the players came back to campus in June. So that's really prom- promising. One guy I haven't heard about and guys chime in. If you have Thomas Harper, Who's coming off a shoulder? Missed the spring. You always worry about shoulders a little bit, yeah. especially with everything that Cam Hart has gone through. And then, I, if you guys know anything, uh, chime in on that. But uh, uh, Javante Jean Baptiste, he didn't play in a blue goal game. We haven't. I mean, I don't think that was anything major. Uh, I don't either. Like no, you said, no. Tim, he, he missed. He missed the <laughs> open practice when 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 you know, open to the media, and so you start to wonder. But I don't think it was anything major
1: yeah he and also he you know it was more like he was there he was in pads he repped he just never repped live reps when we were watching I think that's a I think it's a bad coincidence for JJB that he we happened to be at that practice it was going to be closed it was open uh and, and then he didn't play in the blue goal game a lot of guys don't play in the blue goal game some guys play one play in the blue goal game had he played one play in the blue goal game we would think nothing of him not playing in the blue goal game it's just he was dressed ready to roll um yeah, Harper did start participating in a. Uh, oh, that's right. Individual work. That's Along right. with yeah. Schuler, um, so Shuler. that's good news. Cam Hart. Cam Hart's whole thing. I, I mean, he's recovered. It's just he's had three of them, two <laughs> on the shoulder. So clearly, we the concern yeah. there is re-injury for Cam Hart. And the only one left I could think of, and I, I believe it was only relevant because I I think it takes him out of freshman year. Um, heavy duty, at least, would be Devan Houston. Um shoulder surgery i don't know how you do that as an
2: early enrollee and then break into the lineup at third string defensive line yeah i I mean or any position frankly i I think the same thing is true with shuler at a position where they they could use some kind of a surprise story um it's hard to miss spring practice and then contribute in any meaningful way um unless you're a veteran good Kyle player. Hamilton or Michael Mayer type of prospect and and those guys are not so yeah I haven't heard anything on Harper um I always the Antonio Carter Harper mix like I, I'll be interested to sort of see how they sort of assign their positions like I assume Harper's gonna be more nickel and Carter's gonna be more of a you know next to Xavier Watts at the back of the defense but uh I would also think that they would probably try to move those guys or, or Carter in particular, um, you know, played some nickel, played some corner at Rhode Island. I would think that he would, you know, at least get a shot if they, if they feel like they have a surprise in Ramon Henderson or they have a surprise in DJ Brown. Um, Carter can maybe move around a little bit, but um, yeah, Har- Harper has to factor in somewhere. He's important. Talked about 12 guys and five are defensive backs
0: just
1: now. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah,
0: Harper's important. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Carter has nickel experience, and frankly, he's got more nickel experience than he does safety experience, which is what they expect him to play. But uh, we'll find out here in a couple weeks. Question from David Lopez 5. Have you ever heard of any hazing going on in Notre Dame that you thought might be considered to have crossed the line?
1: I have not, and that's why I think this is such a timely question. Priester, you said, who does hazing nowadays? That's what I thought when I heard hazing. I'm like, hazing in 2023? And I would have thought hazing in 2017? And I would have thought hazing in 2014, (laughs) all these, that just is not, that's a, that's a 25 years ago thing for the last I considered hazing being, I mean, I know it happens in high schools too, because you hear national news about that, but I find it crazy at a power five program in this realm.
2: I mean, not to be flippant about it, but like considering how hard Bayless's workouts are, like do you need more crap on top of that to deal with? Like I would think you'd be too exhausted to do anything like off, off color. yeah, it's the the in twenty twenty three question mark I think it was for the best point. Like, I think we kind of evolved out of this at this point. Like, but and, I mean, and I get it. Pat Fitzgerald is kind of a throwback person, right? Yeah, but I I just I still don't know how that culture can exist in a transfer portal NIL world. I mean it. Nor should it have existed before the transfer No, you you're IL. allowed. You're allowed but, to be a bottom line of two. Good job. Yeah, man. but now you could just be like, ah, forget, it. I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing this. piece. Um. Yeah, it was bizarre. But I now I haven't really heard. Like, I'm sure, like you know, whether you like freshmen shave their heads or stuff like that. Like, I'm sure that goes on. But
0: I. Well, there, yeah, there's a, a a level of harmlessness to to stuff yeah. like that, and I, you yeah,
2: know, you know like team bonding stuff is way yeah. different than what was going on in Northwestern.
0: I first started covering Northam in 1982, so I'm sure that there was some level of hazing. Oh, there had on to be, on, but I, but yeah, there had to be. But I, I mean, you guys know how my my memory's slipping, but I do not remember anything, anything of real note, um, anything of any note, quite frankly. Um, and I'm sure they did, you know, some of the stuff that's harmless, but I I, I keep I, it it keeps coming to the tip of my tongue. It's 2023. What yeah. are you doing?
1: I don't know. I don't
2: understand it.
0: I mean, we we the, the our our country is so hypersensitive to things like this, and I just don't understand. I was actually I was listening to Chicago sports radio yesterday, and it was it was brought up that, hey, Pat Fitzgerald played for Gary Barnett. Maybe Gary Barnett had a, a level of hazing, and it was quickly dismissed. But I thought, you know what? That's a that's a good point. I mean, he's a Northwestern guy. He learned from the best coach in Northwestern history, pretty much. Um, I think if maybe- I was hazed
1: in 1993, Pat Fitzgerald, sophomore in 1992, and this is what they did, I would change my hazing
0: plan. <laughs> like, what? Well- it, it's just it's ridiculous and i don't it's just inexcusable
2: yeah
1: yeah there we go that's enough that's enough talk about that hazing and yeah, yeah. that's all right nd fan 08 as you work through the first rate series tim priesters first rate series what's been one thing that stands out that should benefit the irish over the course of notre dame's schedule and on the flip side what's been one thing that stands out that could hinder notre dame across those games
0: I don't know that anything has necessarily jumped out about the benefit for Notre Dame, because I, I, you know, as I've been saying for several months, I think this is a very, very challenging schedule we know about the big three, but the other ones, um, you know, I mean, Duke's coming off a nine win year Pittsburgh's coming off a nine win year NC state Louisville with a new coach. It's going to be challenging. I don't know that there's anything other than Sam Hartman's at quarterback while wow, that gives him a chance to do a lot of great things offensively. The the one thing that I did and I'm all, I'm only through linebackers here so I don't want to talk about some of the uh, mm-hmm. DBs. But when I start going through the defensive lines that Notre Dame is going to face, I know everybody's excited about Notre Dame's offensive line uh, and and rightfully so, but that offensive line is going to be challenged all year. There are of the 11 FBS teams nine of them ranked in the top 44 in rushing defense and eight of them held opponents to under four yards per carry. Now uh, you know, you lose players, you gain players. So not everybody is the same as they were the last year, but I think I've said this before that in doing these, this is the 13th year we've done this. The one thing you notice is there's a lot of carryover. I mean, sometimes when you lose an entire unit, of course, there isn't, especially like offensive line. But there's a lot of carryover, and so and and you know, teams like Pittsburgh's good on defense. NC State's usually very good on defense. Wake Forest always maximizes what they have. This is going to be a real challenging, challenging season for Notre Dame's offensive line. So if there there are games along the way, which there is for every team, every offensive line, where they're struggling a little bit, they're probably facing one of the better defensive lines in the country because that's. That's who's on their schedule.
2: Yeah, it, I think so much comes to like Alton Fisher are what they are. Like those are both elite guys, but it it's going to be incredibly critical for Christophech, Spindler, Shrouth, whoever they put out there. Like I do think those guards are going to have to get up to speed very quickly, and then like the schedule. You know, mentioned the schedule being difficult, but I think the pacing of the schedule is excellent uh, for that to right. happen, um, that you can go to NC state in game three with two full games under your belt and see what you got. Um, you know, it's I'm not going to compare this line to 2017, but like that, I remember when they played NC state and NC state came up here and they absolutely blew them off the field. Um, so I just, it's, the offensive line has to be great for Notre Dame to be very good this year. Um, and they, while I agree they've got some challenges along the way, I, I, they're going to have a chance to sort of hit their stride at the exact right time this year. So if they are going to be really good, they they should be ready to go by the time they head down to Raleigh. Some I think the, a different –
0: go ahead, Tim. Well, I was just going to – man, when I look at – this is consecutive games, okay? And I realize that I'm looking at – I'm viewing Duke and Louisville and Pittsburgh – a little bit differently than everybody else, probably. Um, but these are consecutive games. Ohio State, then they go to Duke, then they go to Louisville, then USC at home, a physical Pittsburgh at home, travel to Clemson. Wake Forest is probably going to take a step back. But Wake Forest, as we as we obviously know, is a very well-coached football team. I don't know. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing how that spaces out very well for them well it's like he, you're yeah, i right. would
2: rather have you get you want three games under your belt as an offensive line before you're like all right we got this and i would rather have those three games be navy tennessee state nc state and then central michigan afterwards and then you jump i
0: agree i agree with that and, and i would. I, I think nc state might take a step back this year um,
2: oh yeah i mean that i think offensively they could be interesting maybe not in week three but um that's that's a game that Notre Dame's offensive line, I, I think should they they should be the better group. Um, and I, again, it's like I we talk about Sam Hartman being and the effect he's going to have on Notre yes. receivers. I think the effect he's going to have on Notre Dame's offensive line also will be significant. That
1: tonight. was my point. If you told me that these nine rush defenses returning would all be almost as good or about as good as they were last year, and Notre Dame's quarterback was Drew Pine, Brandon Wimbush, Tommy Reese, Tyler Buckner. To a, even to a lesser extent, Ian Book, I'd say, well, they are going to get stuffed in some ugly games that's going to look like that Louisville game from 2020. But if you tell me it's Sam Hartman and Deshaun Kaiser at his best, I think Notre Dame will be able to handle most of these.
0: Yeah, that's fair the enough. difference. Fair enough. Question from Zach Davis underscore ND. How do you see L Golden changing things up this year to get better results in the red zone? I ask this as someone who generally thought Golden called good games last year and was good at keeping points down.
1: I'm with Zach Davis. I thought he generally called good games, was good at keeping points down. Uh, we We were blaming Tommy Reese and the offense for Notre Dame's poor start, and rightfully so. They obviously didn't score enough points at Ohio State, and Marshall was a disaster offensively, so was Stanford. The defense was not a problem for anyone until very, very late. I mean, USC punctuated it. They they looked like they couldn't handle USC in that game. I I, I am, comp- it was a mystery. I, I asked Al Golden three times during the season about his red zone defense. And my thing was, every time it was first and goal, the other team scored until about week nine. Now they ended up stopping like three of the 18 first and goal opportunities, three of 18. And it was 0 for 14 or 0, 1 for 14 at one point. And he made a good point. He's like, we, we keep getting wins on first and goal at the five and second and goal at the three and sometimes even third and goal at the two, but they are scoring a touchdown on us every time. So I can't tell you we are a good red zone goal to go defense. I think if you get that many wins normally on first, second, and third down, you should dissuade touchdowns more than Notre Dame did last year.
2: I feel like this, like, I think that Notre Dame could, call red zone exactly the same as they did last year and it would be better like i feel like this is the law of averages will take effect here and like i don't think al golden is going to be like we're just going to do the same stuff no but i but i think if they did do the same stuff the results were were better because the the numbers made no sense you should not be able to be what a top 20 defense in red zone penetrations allowed and then that bad once you're in the red zone the worst not just that bad the worst (laughs) it was it just made no sense um and so i don't i think it was just it was a very fluky part of the defense which overall i thought played winning football in 11 out of 12 games could we say that you could say at least 10 there's no doubt i mean I, i think they fail i think
1: they didn't come up when they had to against Stanford. I know they. I was going to
0: say there, ones, were couple, but, yeah. there were a couple, there were a couple late drives along the way that were a little bit annoying too, but Pete, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say that turnovers are kind of a cyclical thing. And I, and I think that there, I think some of that applies to this situation to, to O'Malley's point that, you know, it, I, it, you're, you're in position to make a play and to to hold them to a field goal on third and fourth down. And you, you just don't do it. I, I think that the second year of L Golden will, will be beneficial, uh, in a in a lot of respects defensively. Uh, the point about red zone penetra- red zone penetrations compared to red zone touchdown percentage makes absolutely no sense. They're they're completely different ends of the spectrum, and that that's that's just illogical.
1: No, I, I need to find and I wrote a story detailing every single first and goal snap. And the wins were just ridiculous to the fact that they gave up a touchdown every time. (laughs) So I am not. Now, I want to go to one thing that could continue to be a problem. When you are in the red zone, if you don't have the timely pass rush, and if you're not incredibly stout up the middle, teams can dictate you a little bit more than if you had Lewis Nix right in the middle of that line, and you realized that it was first and goal at the eight, and they weren't going to run for more than a yard on that first play, so I think there could be personnel issues that have to be—they have to be better. Those players have to be better for Notre Dame to have a better red zone. Well, they're going to have a better red zone defense yeah. to have a, a, a red zone defense that matters.
0: And what the two points you brought up—if if, if two big ifs—if they have—if they have a pass rush, if they're stout in the middle of the defensive line, both things need to be proven. Question from Maltese Irish, I realize Antonio Carter flashes on tape. However, as Tim O'Malley alluded to in his player countdown, are we asking or expecting too much of Carter considering he is tasked with playing a new position on top of facing a massive leap in the level of competition?
1: My thought on this is you are going to hear a lot about how Carter and his tag teammate make Notre Dame secondary better he's going to be paired with somebody it's not going to be Antonio Carter getting 680 snaps with Benjamin Morrison at safety this is I think Xavier Watts will get the most snaps among the safeties and I hope Antonio Carter is number two but how surprised would you be if he is not a starter week one because I well Navy doesn't Navy doesn't count because he might not be a, he won't be a starter week one there's no reason to do that but how would you surprise would you be if Antonio Carter does not start week three
0: at NC State the starting part doesn't no it doesn't really matter but he better
1: i want him to get 45 of the snaps oh i I agree i
0: agree yeah third
2: third safety at a minimum right you know that's that's where he needs to be and like at i talked to his defensive coordinator rhode island a few weeks ago and like it's like all right what positions did he play and how much did he play them um you know he started at safety for three games in their their COVID. remember they played a COVID spring season Oh yeah and yeah. then, yeah, yeah. And then they moved around. him to corner after that cuz that's what they they had a need but like the corner opposite him at Rhode Island uh I think it's Jordan James like he's he was an undrafted free agent of the LA Rams like he's in a pro camp so it's not like he wasn't around good talent there um you know so it's i i the look the the step up in competition is a real thing but I don't i guess i i would i feel like that will actually be an easier part of the job than uh than maybe people believe it to be, and like it the d c even said like there was a game at the end of the year where like I don't know if their nickel went down or they're matched up with a team that you used the slot a lot, and he said like hey, we need you to put play over the slot this week, you know instead of outside corner, couple practices boom, got it, no problem, um, just like a very high football i q um try hard, like serious studious type of player. Like I, I think that picking up the scheme and the competition, I, I do not think that's going to be a huge jump for him.
0: I, I, Pete, I totally agree with you, especially the step up in competition. And I realize that some people may be thinking, Oh, Rhode Island, you know, Rhode Island and thinking back to Kane Madden coming from Marshall and the step up in competition. The, those two things are not the same because we all had the same concerns about Caden Madden's mobility uh, at the step up of this, to this level of competition. And I don't, I don't think that that's going to be the case at all with Antonio Carter. Um, The change of position. I mean, knowing that he has dabbled at at safety a little bit and the fact that he's just, I mean, I think he's just a very instinctual athlete. And so his ability to break on the football, I think he has some athletic assets that That compensate a little bit for some of the things that he doesn't quite know about the safety position yet, but
1: somebody somebody listening, I want to remember this as the season progresses because we get a lot of questions on our countdown about how are the top 22 guys not your 22 starters first of all, starters don't really exist in that realm anymore for for football teams, but these are snap counts of a Notre Dame player that we had well outside our top 30 last year, probably outside our top 40, and uh he definitely finished inside our top 20, Tim. He opened the season with 6, then he had 11, then he had 16, then he had 28, then he had 9. 31 31 28 33 44 36 52 62. Xavier Watts was not one of Notre Dame's best players over the first month, and he was one of he was Notre Dame's best safety at the end of the year.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't matter like it, it doesn't matter how Antonio Carter plays against Ohio State, but we're going people are going to be throwing away these guys like, well, he only got 11 snaps. I don't think that works anymore I, I think now xavier watts is never going to do an 11 snap game again but i think that's part of the process is you do build up your comfort level and the coaches see it and they play you
0: more question from jack mack 99 where does nordame turn for their defensive line search now that justin scott has committed to ohio state you see a scenario in which nordame can pull off an upset and flip him on signing day kind of like peyton bowen from last year we said Offline. I mean, we
1: we actually talked about this on our instant analysis. And Tim, you wrote about it. I think they turn to a graduate transfer in 2024. That that bridges a gap, and I think you probably do it again in 2025 when you bring in. Even if you bring in a defensive line class you love for 2025, you're still turning to graduate transfers for a couple years. That's just that's the nature of it. Now, when you miss, it affects you a
2: couple years later. Yeah, it's a this is a transfer portal solution because there's not another Justin Scott. On your recruiting board at this point, um, nor would that. And if there you found one that had a similar body type, he's probably not going to help you in 2024 anyway. Grad transfer yeah. would, so that's I, I think Notre Dame may, um, I think we've talked about some previous podcasts. I think that this year's graduate transfer hall of what eight guys, seven, eight guys, yeah. I Many think cream. that they're probably going to be six, seven. Every year moving forward because no name's gonna lose guys. And like I've, I mean, next year when your your junior class becomes your senior class and there's only like eight guys in it, like yeah, that's you're going to need to find some graduate transfers just to to stay old in some positions. So that's I think what they'll have to do with defensive tackle without Justin Scott.
0: Yeah, I second everything you guys have said. I mean, I don't know of a name from the 2024 class. Again, I always say you know Tom Loy and Kevin Sinclair are, are better to answer that, but I, answer that. But I, you know, I'm looking at some of the, some of their stories. I'm not seeing a lot of uh, a lot of potential solutions there. Davion Davion Dixon, of course, in the class of 2025 out of Miami, has already verbally committed to Irish. And you know they're looking at guys like uh, Jar- Jarquez Carter, Isaiah Campbell, Zion Williams out of Texas. but we said it, I guess, I think it was probably two weeks ago when we actually talked about it, that the grad transfer route is where Notre Dame needs to go to solve the problem of, of losing Justin Scott and will, will Notre Dame continue to recruit Justin Scott? Absolutely. Will they be able to flip him? That's a different story and a lot more difficult question from Taters. Dad one after Blake Fisher leaves, hopefully post 2024, is there a left tackle on the roster, both short-term and long-term? Priester stated in his film review that Gerby Lambert is a right tackle.
1: Well, Baker would be a right tackle. Um, I mean, Emil Wagner would be a left tackle
2: prospect for sure.
1: That, that's he's even though he playing. played right he's, tackle in the spring. Yeah, but that would be the you got to have one. Tosh Baker is a right tackle, in my opinion, not a, not a left tackle. But
0: but he has played left tackle.
1: He so. is. I know. I just uh, I don't see it as much. Um, and I mean, Jagasa could be a left tackle but boy he'd be a great guard too
2: they need left tackles yeah i mean of of the players you listed one of them will be playing left tackle exactly and i think probably you know emil wagner if you watch this high school tape that screamed left tackle i I thought so too what's more left tackle than a skinny offensive lineman who's also like a dunking power forward like that's that was his game um and I think even if you you sort of saw him in the spring game, maybe he's um, hurt by the fact that he's subbing in for Blake Fisher. And you're just like, man, this guy's tiny. But I think he's still built more like a left tackle than a right tackle. But I think Blake Fisher also could have been a left tackle if he wanted.
0: Yeah, and he's not. And built, was, and he and he was, but he's and he's not built like a left tackle. But Emil Wagner is the, the prototypical guy that ends up at left tackle. Styles Prescott is the typical guy that ends up at that spot too. Tosh Baker. I agree with you, T.O., That I, you know, I've always looked at him as more of a a, a right tackle. Charles Jagas, I don't know. You know, I, I think. You know, he's dealing with some knee issues. I don't think we're going to see Jagusub in twenty twenty three. A, a true freshman, offensive tackle, you normally wouldn't see him anyway. But I think I think he's going to need a year to fully recover from what he's been dealing with uh, with his knee. But I think Wagner and Prescott are the two guys that. That you look at moving forward.
1: Question from Dashing Domer. I am always interested in becoming the best I can be. And like most Fighting Irish fans, I'm invested in the same level of excellence for the football program. Serious question. As a fan, is it helpful for me to declare my standard of excellence for everything I observe, coaches, players, facilities, NIL, transfer, recruiting, etc and vigorously criticize anything and anyone that does not meet my personal standard of excellence, quote unquote, eliteness? Will that be effective in making positive
0: change? dashing Domer said serious question and i still believe that this was a tongue-in-cheek question because you know there there is a lot i I, apparently there is there is an abundance of things to criticize about notre dame every day despite being 63 and 14 the last couple years and playing in playing in a a, a couple playoffs Uh, they got hammered in the playoffs so that um you know brings out the irate nature in some people but you know, I I think sometimes the Nordic football is portrayed in a negative light in to the level of of negativity that just is not commensurate to where this program is over the last six years. I realize that when they have gotten to the playoffs, they haven't played well and have gotten blown out. They went to Michigan in 2019 when they really needed that win and they didn't win that game. They weren't even they weren't even close, but um there's a lot more. I, there's a lot more from my perspective. And I've been doing this my whole life. There's a whole lot more to be optimistic about Notre Dame football than pessimistic. Now, some of the pessimistic things are very, very difficult hurdles, beginning with NIL and everything that's going on with the nature of college football today. But, um, I don't know how serious of a question this is, but I am frequently surprised at the segment of people that wake wake up every day pissed off about Dame football every day they wake up pissed off about Dame football and i think that the experience of being a notre Dame football fan is a lot more joyful than they make it
2: i, I mean look it, everyone's allowed to be Pat or from time to time be pissed out <laughs> about notre dame football every day <laughs> uh, it's like this is the balancing act that notre dame has created for itself in some ways like if you're like we're going to measure everything against national championships. It's national championships are bust, like which people don't really say as much anymore around Notre Dame. But I, but I remember when I started covering Notre Dame, that was I think more of an overt goal all the time. And then you don't get it. And people are like, well, was that a failure? Cause you didn't meet your goal. Well, on one hand, I I guess I can see where you're coming from. But on the other, like maybe you could enjoy the journey a little bit more too. Like it is. We are talking about college sports. It's kind of a TV show that you tune into on Saturdays. Yeah. Sometimes you like the episode, sometimes you don't. Um, the ending, it's hard to nail the ending of a good TV show, as we all know, as people who watch a lot of TV. But um, it's I I think that if you're a Notre Dame fan and you're in the national championship or bust, man, that you've had a, a pretty miserable run here, and I just I don't know why you would you would keep up with it on a day to-day basis. if you were that's just a, a tough way to have a pastime be something that uh, makes you miserable.
1: I have very long uh, since since the middle of the whole even when they were great, kind of judged football seasons as a fan of football. Do you roll into November and have a legitimate chance at winning it or in Notre Dame's case, making the playoff? And someone right now is getting mad hearing making the playoff. Pretty fun season when you make the playoff. You could play better in these playoff games yeah. for sure, even though Alabama was 20 times better than you that year in 2020. And Clemson 18 was one of the greatest teams of all time. 2012, 2015, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Rolled into November or at least 2021 was Halloween. 2019 was Halloween weekend. Had a shot at making it. To a lesser extent, 2014, you rolled in at 7-1, and one, ranked number nine in the country, and then you lost every game. So people forget about that. It's a fun season when you're in the running in November. It's not a fully satisfying season unless you probably nowadays win a playoff game. Although I will always think that Ohio State's, despite their rabid fan base, had to be proud of the playoff game they played last year uh, against Georgia. I
2: mean, I've put down that, the topic for another time, but I think no i know but they should have been that was great they had the most miserable season where they were 30 seconds away from winning a national championship yeah (laughs) exactly right um it's so i I do look at
1: things differently um especially in the off season when the biggest worry is apparel the arms race of the goog and (laughs) such i'm more worried of wondering what will happen if these defensive backs they brought in that have shoulder injuries and uh, have never played against Ohio State aren't that good because then I then I can tell you what's going to happen way
0: more into our next question way more concerned about the pass rush than than the apparel contract and I look I get that I you know I, I understand why everybody feels it the way they do about the apparel contract but Pete you mentioned you said a word which I think anybody that's ever been an athlete and has been you know seriously involved in 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 the game the process I, I had a coaching experience which gave me a, a different uh, perspective but the word journey i mean anybody that has been an athlete knows that the the, the journey is the essence of the process now everybody wants to we all we want to win no one nor name to win national titles but only one team can win it and most of those seem to be coming out of one conference down in the southeastern portion of the country
1: I also think Notre Dame was one. I would they they weren't close to beating USC, but they were one playing well against USC and winning against USC, win away from everybody enjoying last year's journey when they were zero and two. If they could have finished nine and three going into the bowl game and beating Clemson and and you got to beat USC. I'm I'm not saying you don't have to beat USC. Everything is the same last year, but let's say they beat USC. Drew Pine doesn't fumble at the 24 yard line. The game gets being tied. Caleb Williams finally doesn't drive them down and Notre Dame somehow beats them i think notre Dame fans should have liked that year oh and two to nine and three with wins over clemson and usc
2: yeah it's like there have been seasons like the, the 2006 season like was not an enjoyable Ugh. theme at all
1: overrated and
2: and, over- and they went 10 the- and 3 <laughs> yeah um 2017 also went 10 and 3 super enjoyable team H- top so of the, the list like- almost for that yeah, I'm not saying it's not about wins and losses because it's definitely about wins and losses. Um, but I just think like there are various teams we've covered a between the three of us we've we covered like what a hundred Notre Dame seasons. Um, like some of the teams that have been better on paper have not been that hasn't been an enjoyable journey. Um, 2019, to your point. Yeah, the that was the loss to Michigan. 2013. Not an enjoyable season. Um, you know, so it's, I don't know, it's, but 2005 went nine and three that, I mean, that team felt like it went 11 and one. Yes. it did. So it's no, I- uh, there's, yeah, very strange seasons <laughs> along the way. Um, but yeah, it's like, if you're just judging it based on results, I mean, it's kind of a results and a process conversation as well. Like the the process is more important than the results sometimes, but you got to have a certain amount of results. Otherwise, somebody else is in charge of the process. And I,
0: and I yeah. know the big games Nardame has lost, but I, you had to win all your games in 2018 and 2020 to get to the playoffs. And, I, and I, 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 again, I, when you're one of four teams left in the country with a shot at the national championship, you're playing for the national championship. I realize no. yeah, we're yeah. beaten badly in those yeah. games, and, and you, you can't have that you have to compete better. But if you're one of the four last teams that the whole country is looking at, uh, you know, the last weekend of, of college football, you're playing for the national title now, full disclosure. Okay. And this is something I've wanted to say for a while. And I, I mean, I want to admit this, you know, I've, I've told people that when I was, when I was growing up, Notre Dame won national titles when I was six 13 and 17 and I lived in South Bend. it couldn't have possibly been better. And so I've had people say, "Well, yeah, you saw national titles and my generation has not I think that's a great point and I get it, and I think I'm a little bit biased because I have witnessed national titles at Nordame, including one when I was 28 and just really starting my career as a journalist. So, I get that part and and that was that was I was remiss in not acknowledging that in the past, but I, I just, I, the the misery of being a Notre Dame football fan is not miserable. Being, for me, I mean, being a Notre Dame journalist is not miserable. It's the journey and the people that you know and the entire process and being proud of the way that Notre Dame represents itself on the intercollegiate athletic level. But, you know, I realize that my perspective on that is going to be way different than it is from, from fans.
2: I was just say, like, I would be great if Notre Dame got to a point where making the playoff legitimately was not enough for it to be a successful season. But there are only three teams in the country that could say that with a straight face Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State. Everybody else, when you make the playoff, great season, full stop, doesn't matter what happens when you get there.
0: Question from Play Like Champ Seven I've seen a lot of videos put out by Notre Dame highlighting Jaden Thomas leading breakdowns of groups of players. Any chance? He's a dark horse candidate to be a captain during his time at Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, sure. For 2024, I know he's a very well-respected player and he'll be there. I put a prediction out there and I'm confident in it. He will lead the wide receivers and snaps this year. He's valuable at multiple positions. Uh, he's also a possible fifth-year guy, Jaden Thomas. That's not screaming NFL second-day draft pick. Jayden, no matter how well Jaden Thomas plays these next two years, he's a he's a possible fifth-year guy. That's not a guy I thought of early on. So dark horse candidate is a great call. And as Pete and I found out from Braden Lindsay, he is also the um, leading stock speculator on the team.
2: So that'll oh. help him. Yeah. Good. It's a good investment in Jaden Thomas futures, but yeah, I, I would think that he would be a dark horse captain candidate this year, depending on uh, how you things got guys go. like Tyree and alt and Carell on the offense. There's a, I mean, one offensive lineman and one guy from another position.
1: Like if you if like, you
2: if you took the offensive lineman off the board, who would be the next guy who would be a captain?
1: I think Tyree for his service and unselfishness and ability Kaiser. to come speak with the media and everything else. What
0: about Kaiser? I mean, I, Bertrand's going to be a captain again. Kaiser. Right. I, oh, I'm I, saying if I, you had
2: two guys on offense. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's probably Tyree. I I think Jaden Thomas is a dark horse this year. I don't think he's a dark horse next year. Uh, he's a captain I, next year's. I put it yeah. that. I put it that, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Last question. Wrapping up from Tony Rice, a fictitious Tony Rice. I'm quite sure. Both. I'm teams... going to
1: pretend it's not because he referenced us. So here we go. Let's go.
0: <laughs> both Tony Rice did not send it. A... I'm. I am positive
1: he did not send
0: this in. That's okay. <laughs> uh, both teams predicted two, two and one versus the big three of Ohio State. USC and Clemson, what is the reason for your optimism based on years past? Notre Dame normally doesn't win these games. If Notre Dame goes eight and four, how will Marcus Freeman be able to overcome this and have a successful career at Notre Dame?
1: There's a lot to take in there. There's many questions. Um, What is the reason for optimism? Should it be anything besides it's the summer, but I'll go try to go between the lines too. Um, I think Notre Dame is better than USC. I, I think USC had a, supernova playing quarterback for them last year in that game. And this game is at home and Notre Dame is going to handle USC. Caleb Williams is awesome in that game. I I can't believe how good Caleb Williams was in that game. He had a force field around him during the game. It was remarkable, but Notre Dame can play better than that. If Ohio State had CJ Stroud or the equivalent of a young CJ, if they had CJ Stroud, the sophomore coming back, I would not be predicting or even thinking Notre Dame would upset Ohio State. But they don't. I think this is a chance. I think Nordium has a good chance of going two and one here. The other prediction's one and two for me, not oh and three. And I would not predict three and oh either. Boy, I would not predict zero oh
0: and three. Would you say I one absolutely two? Would not predict oh and predict and three? Would you say one and two is the most likely? I would. That's why I asked the question. I mean, it's only
1: 5149 for me if we're doing that. Now I think is gonna lose another game. I've already gone on. I think they're gonna
2: lose an ACC game this year. Uh, I'm yeah, you can lose a Clemson. Is that count? well? That could be it too. Well, I know that's, that's part of it. Yeah, I that's think part of it.
0: Besides, besides the big three, and I, I keep when, when they catch Duke and and having watched a lot of Duke here this summer, I don't know how the hell Mike Elko got brought them to the level that they're at. Uh, part of it is the development of Riley Leonard, a, cor- a quarterback, but they're good. I mean, that's a good football team. Uh, and Mike Elko has turned well. Yeah, he turned around. I mean, because David Cutcliffe struggled at the end of his tenure. At,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: You know, I, I look at it. Ohio State has a new quarterback. It's at Notre Dame Stadium. You win the turnover battle there, you you have a great chance of winning that game. USC still has to prove itself defensively. Man, you want to talk about going to the transfer portal and rebuilding a position. Uh, USC did that with their defensive line. They have five grad transfer transfers along their defensive line, but they still have to prove that. And, you know, I don't know where, I don't know where Klubnik will be by the time Notre Dame plays Clemson. Probably pretty good. Uh, Probably a lot lot better than what, what we, the image that we have in our heads, but uh, you know, and um, imagine this Clemson has another good defensive line. Although I don't, you know, I think a lot of the guys, that are playing this year have been backups the last couple years. So they've gotten a ton of reps. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I agree with Pete. I think more like, like if you were putting odds percentages on it, I'd probably say one and two is more likely, but I would agree with T.O. that, you know, it's 51, 49. And look, two of those games are at home. You should win at home. You shouldn't lose twice at home like Notre Dame did last year.
1: No, well, no, that qualify. would that would qualify as disappointing.
0: Yes. Both of those.
2: Yeah. that would be that would be a very 2006 type of vibe. Yeah,
0: think of, I mean, when you, you know, think about those. the te- the teams that you lost to at home last year, my God, I mean, that's just uh, that can't happen, and I'm confident it won't happen. Uh, you know, I don't know, I can't vouch for Ohio State and USC, but any of the other opponents that come into Nardine Stadium. But uh, anyway, we're going to wrap up with that. We'll be back. Uh, next week with another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. We appreciate you joining us. Until next time, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, Pete Sampson signing off. Did you know that the unique O'Connell Bridge in Dublin, Ireland is the only one in all of Europe that is as long as it is wide? Discover this fascinating fact and more on the number one bus tour in Ireland, the Do Dublin Hop On Hop Off City Tour which stops at all of the city's iconic attractions, including crossing the famous O'Connell Bridge. You won't want to miss out. Book your city tour now at dodublinie forward irish irishillustrated.